This is Leif Erickson, Insights Partner at Momenta. Welcome to our Digital Industry Podcast series. In these podcasts, we capture insights from some of the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They are executives, entrepreneurs, consultants, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is, like the team here at Momenta Partners, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative and we welcome your comments. My name is Leif Erickson, Insights Partner at Momenta, and our guest today is Thierry Godard, a technology executive with a long history of driving growth and innovation in the utility industry. Today, we're going to explore how digital technology is transforming the utility industry and what we can expect in the coming years. First off, welcome, Thierry. Thank you. Can you provide some uh, professional background? How did you how did you get involved in the electric utility industry, and in particular, the use of digital technology by the industry? Yeah, and thank you again for having me. Uh, correct, since college, really, I've always been involved in the application of technology to the uh, power industry. Uh, most recently, I spent four years at Intel promoting the computerization of energy and industrial automation system. Uh, prior to Intel, I worked at large equipment manufacturer like Siemens, Schneider, ABB, and General Electric uh, in various roles, but always growing the IT and OT portfolios for utilities and uh, industrial users. So I, I, I've worked with utilities as my clients for over 25 years and also across the world. And I was very fortunate to be directly involved in, in some of the major shifts of the industry that, that required innovation with digital technology. Terrific, yeah, it's, uh, there have been a lot of shifts, haven't there, over the years. It's been a, an interesting and exciting time to, to be involved with, with both the utility industry and uh, digital technology. How does it? How does that experience that you have? How does that uh, inform your views on on digital technology, where we are today, and where we're going? Yeah, you know, as as a vendor of these complex systems to to utilities, I, I share their skepticism on how a, a digital technology initially designed for the IT world can actually work. In a, in a harsh and dangerous and, and mission critical applications. So my, my background of understanding this legacy world and, and the fundamentals of power system operations uh, allows me to put a, a critical eye on digital technology that are not mature enough. And then I become the, the trusted advisor that recommend proper solutions to utilities who want to try digital technology to solve their problems uh, effectively. Uh, to get there, I, I do spend a considerable amount of time in learning the new technologies and analyzing their true, you know, cost-benefit ratio. And, and this analysis really often results in significant modification and adaptation of, of these technologies for them to work in in the power industry. Interesting. So you mentioned something about the skepticism of, of IT and, um, you know, it, it, 
brought to mind another term that that we have used in, in industry called OT or operational technology. Just quickly, what uh, what's your view on the different those different worlds and how they converge or how they relate? Right. Most of the when we talk about digital technologies, I've uh, seen their origins in the IT world. So whether we're talking, I mean, today, of course, we're talking about using the internet and, and the internet of things uh, and more and more using AI because uh, people like Google, Facebook have perfected um, technologies like deep learning, machine learning, and of course, have perfected the cloud computing approach. Now, how this uh, nice IT applications can truly um, work in operation environment where, of course, uh, data is not clean. Uh, failure of systems can lead to catastrophe. Um, that, that convergence requires often a bridge and a lot more maturity uh, because the integration of these IT um, techniques is not that straightforward. But absolutely, there is a convergence going on. There is a, uh, an obvious benefit to be ripped from uh, IT into day-to-day -day operation. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting because I can remember a time many years ago when, you know, a lot of the technology innovation was happening in sort of the, the business world. Uh, the industrial world, and, and as you pointed out, a lot of it today is happening in uh, in, in the consumer-facing uh, world, and we're, and we're benefiting from that in the industrial world. But that leads to my, my, my next question, which is, what are the biggest changes you've seen in the utility industry over the course of your career? What are the, the yes. most fundamental changes? Yeah, the, the you know, one thing that doesn't change is the fundamental role of the utility, which is to operate and maintain a very reliable infrastructure to, to deliver electricity to all at the lowest cost possible. So utilities are not going to jump on the latest and greatest trend just because it's, it's kind of cool, right? So the shift I've seen are, are really non-digital shift. Uh, I, I've seen three major shifts since 1990. Uh, the first one was power electronics. The second one was gas and wind turbines. And the third one is photovoltaics and battery. And those are non-digital innovation that, that have driven the need for digital transformation. So, so let me explain a bit. Uh, in the 90s, we could not store electricity at scale, right? But we started controlling its flow by using power electronics. These are called fact device, and this essentially allowed to modify the physics of the circuit by using power electronics. And then we've seen the emergence of gas turbine, very efficient gas turbine, and now of course wind turbines. And, and that combined with the previous innovation, uh, modern transmission systems, really allowed for deregulated markets. So that's when you saw a, a big regulation uh, event, which is in the US FERC 880 and FERC uh, 888, I mean, and then 889, which allowed the unbundling of the power production from the power transmission. And then in recent year, of course, now we see a major shift with battery storage that, that will finally make solar power uh, scalable 
and reliable uh, as a major source of electricity. So now we see uh, another big regulatory uh, initiatives, which is uh, to allow people, uh, even you and I, uh, but most importantly, industrial customers to, to generate their own power and maybe to contribute to to the uh, overall society needs of uh, clean power. So I, I am really fascinated with, with the fact that, you know, for more than a century, electricity was the only product that get consumed as soon as it is produced. And that now a major shift is happening with affordable storage. And that will really fundamentally change the way we, we provide electricity to all. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's huge, isn't it? I mean, and, and of course, there's still a lot of challenges there, but we, we seem to be getting closer, which is, uh, as you say, very exciting. And, and a lot of what you talked about uh, just there is, is uh, you know things that affect the the utility industry itself and <clears throat> excuse me the production of of power how that's changed and production and storage I guess as well but how do you see the the changing uh, and particularly as we look forward changing consumption patterns I mean we've seen obviously a lot of investment and and uh, effort go into uh, improving efficiency and, and energy consumption, uh, reducing electric consumption over time. But we also see in parallel, uh, particularly recently, uh, new sources of consumption, such as the, uh, the, the, the growth of the electric uh, vehicle. What, what are your thoughts on that and how that ultimately impacts the, uh, the industry? Yeah, you're, you're right. The, the energy efficiency uh, initiatives, which actually started a long time ago during the oil crisis of the OPEC uh, uh, in the 70s, uh, went on and on, and it got really better with you know LED light, uh, uh, HVAC uh, appliance, and so forth. And, and this was a major disruption because, from a utility point of view, this was a pure reduction of kilowatt hour consumption and resulting in a direct impact on utility revenue, but really without mitigating the cost of operating the grid. So eventually, essentially, the utilities had to maintain the same infrastructure with a lot less revenue, you know, just because for a few hours of the year, that, that grid would see a, a, a peak demand requiring its full capacity. Uh, and so the next wave of energy efficiency was... Um, demand response, which is about giving incentives to people to not contribute to a higher peak and eventually really defer investment in green infrastructure. So that has now a very nice benefit for utility because it does reduce some of the revenue, but it more importantly, um, reduce their capital uh, expenditure. And now we've Electric vehicles, solar, and storage, we could finally achieve a, a much more efficient energy system, you know, where peaks are shaved continuously because you could have a concept uh, we call a virtual power plant. So this is essentially batteries and, and solar, uh, including uh, charging stations and that are now connected and dispatched at the right time. And if you don't do that, uh, when when one thing that could backfire is, um, you know, a, a very plausible scenario of people starting to charge their car and creating a new peak at the wrong time. 
and, and really uh, leading to, for example, starting a, a peak generator, a gas turbine, just because people are charging their car uh, in the middle of the day. So you you have the need for digital information for data to be able to really monitor and predict and dispatch these resources. So new consumption pattern will definitely benefit by shaving the peak and you know making the grid a lot more uh, stable, but it requires, uh, of course, a very um, an intelligent system, more than automation, but an intelligent system that can predict. Yeah, that's a that's a, a good segue to uh, the the other question I had, which is, um, as you point out, there's a there's this opportunity of a much more efficient and and maybe even balanced grid. Uh, hopefully, I'm not putting words in your mouth there, but uh, that's that's the way I interpret it. But it 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 also creates a level of complexity that we don't have today. Uh, although I, I'm, we're more complex today, I imagine, than we were uh, not that long ago. But if you really you've got all these different um, and changing point sources, uh, point consumption, and plus a, a distributed generation network. That creates a lot of complexity. How do you manage that, and does is it? And how critical is digital technology to managing that? Yeah, exactly. I, I, like I was saying, these uh, distributed resources are often not owned by the utility, and they're not centrally controlled and dispatched. So uh, they could run into costly inefficiency and even risk of outage and, and blackout. So, and then when you look at Digital technology today, there are two aspects where they can be useful. The first one is to operate the grid itself. Uh, today, most of the grid is self-protected with devices that are pre-programmed, you know, to shut off the power in, in, if a problem occurs. So if a tree falls on the line or whatever happens, there is scenarios and, and we know how to do it very well especially for standard power flowing from you know central power plant to consumer houses but that's no longer sufficient and these flows now are more complex and often unpredictable so you need more sophisticated analytics and new controllable devices such as inverters on batteries on solar can be now uh, used to absorb these excessive flows so not only you you need to predict the unpredictable, but the way you control and correct is with new type of devices, not the traditional, I'm just going to shut down the power um, and then uh, wait until uh, the problem is fixed. So in, in short, it's no longer just energy automation, but it's really energy intelligence that is required to, to operate a, this more complex energy system. But on the, on the other side of the meter, you know, you have also digital technology that can help consumers better use electricity. We've seen at the residential level uh, the, the advance of smart thermostat and, and, and so forth. But I'm, I'm also talking about industrial customers, people who run factories, data centers, etc. They, they can really optimize for the lowest cost and the highest sustainability by balancing their self-generated power with their grid-connected supply. And we call them prosumers. So these prosumers, we require more granular data 
to better predict their energy needs and, and then to anticipate also potential event. If they know there's a storm coming, they can reset their system and make sure they can survive, uh, you know, much longer with their self-supplied uh, energy storage and, and energy production. So digital technology, you know, will enable intelligent devices uh, on both sides of the meters, the grid side and, and uh, behind the meter side. Uh, very interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's truly going to be a brave new world. Um, I, I guess that begs a, another question, um, and that is um, the utility. If you think about the consumer side of the meter, you know how much how much of an issue is it that the utility themselves don't control that? Uh, how do you see that uh, playing out? And I guess the second part of my question in general is, um, is uh, do we have the necessary technology to get today? And, and if so, what's, you know, what will hold us back? Will it simply be the cost, the, the, the rate um, structures, you know, what's, what's stopping us from getting there? Yeah, no, it is uh, an issue, but if you if you look at what happened at the uh, power generation side and transmission side during this event I mentioned earlier, when uh, regulators around the world, by the way, uh, unbundle the business of power generation from the business of power transmission, Right. You had transmission utilities facing the same exact problem. Now suddenly you have a large power plant that's no longer owned and dispatched. And we created market systems and independent system operators to handle the transaction between power generation owner and end users. So I see a very straightforward parallel here now apply to the distribution system so the lower voltage system the last mile of the power distribution that comes to your home and to your buildings and to your factories and i see where similar concept can be used to uh, create a distribution system operator so this has been talked this has been not implemented yet uh, there's some attempt in New York and Texas, but uh, and in, your, in Europe as well. Uh, but it's uh, like you said, it's much more of a political and regulatory concern than a technical concern. It's very, very possible with today's technology to do it. Now, after I say that, of course, the, the big difference between transmission and distribution is the amount of data. You're talking about a lot more data and also the lack of predictability. So you're talking about systems that have to react fast in face of unpredictable events. Um, because now, uh, if you will, the system is a lot more sensitive to, to uh, uh, you know, failure or to customers changing their behavior suddenly, et cetera. Yeah, um, well, yeah. Pl pl plenty of challenges ahead. One of the things I wanted to uh, talk to you about briefly is is there there are significant differences between how utilities are operated around the world, how the utility industry is structured around the world. Um, as as you know, some of these changes come into play that we've talked about. 
do you see these differences persisting, or will they be, there'll be some convergence in how um, you know these these power grids are operated in different parts of the world? Yeah, you're you're correct. It always amazed me working with utilities across the world for 20 years. It's like you know delivering producing delivering electricity should be a very standard process and not so different, but it is, and and it, it really. There's been uh, engineers over generations designing unique systems uh, and creating a legacy of complicated electrical systems. I mean, we know, actually there's a movie that just came out about the war between Edison and, and Westinghouse on DC versus AC systems. And this is a fantastic movie, by the way, for those interested in, in this world. And it, it, it's, it continued on. You have major difference, physical difference between how the grid is architected in Europe versus how it is done in the US. And in their uh, in sphere of influence, you have this major difference, which of course prevent a complete convergence. But as, as, as a matter of how you design markets and how you, for example, compensate owners of distributed energy resource today, uh, we should really push for a single technical and commercial guideline. Um, you know, in the transmission world, again, we kind of achieved a lot of that. We, we it, it was painful, but we ended up having a standard data protocol, so a single way to describe in the digital world what a transmission system is, and that's fairly worldwide today. So now it has tremendously reduced the risk you know, because you have less customization, you have less complexity, uh, and you can use standard off-the-shelf technologies to, to run the transmission grid. So again, when I look at distribution level or even macro grid level, uh, today it's still very much early and you see a lot of, you know, complex systems that are very proprietary. So I would say to move the needle, we've got to push this convergence and standardization, starting with the, the commercial guideline, the regulatory guideline, to be fairly uniform, and that often leads to a, a more standardized way of implementing intelligent energy system, and eventually that leads to a much lower cost. And, and that 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 to me begs another question. You sort of hinted at this earlier, which is what stands in the way of utility companies greater use of digital technology to uh, to move their business and, and the industry forward? Yeah, the, the, to me, there's two. Huh? There's On the technology side, there's a, still a lack of open interfaces between equipment and automation system. And on the utility side, uh, a need for better data-driven operating procedures. So, uh, you know, let me elaborate that. You know, for, for, for digital technology to work in, in the power system, it has to be a well-integrated combination of safe and reliable hardware with usable and secure software. And all this at a cost that is justifiable for regulated capital budget. So uh, traditionally, you've seen the equipment vendors like Siemens, ABB, and so forth, providing the automation systems to utilities. And, and this, on one hand, is great because it, those systems work very well with the equipment and device of the same brand. 
But on the other hand, of course, they tend to be closed system with proprietary software, which is costly to upgrade and hard to change. So you have a, a dilemma here because your digital transformation usually imply that you have a data strategy that is transversal to your operation and agnostic to your equipment so that you can construct a, you know, what we call digital twins. You can construct digital twins of your end-to-end -end process independently of the equipment and device you use. And, and this kind of layer of data acquisition system, you know, sensors, gateways, SCADA, IoT, uh, would then use a, a standard model to, to build this virtual operation control center, if you will. So again, I think in the transmission world, we, we've, we've achieved a lot of that. I mean, if you walk into a utility control center to look at the transmission grid, you see that separation between the way the grid is represented and the equipment that it uses. But for distribution grid and industrial microgrid, it's still very um, uh, closely related to the uh, underlying equipment. So I think there's a lot of effort for utilities to embrace uh, this digital technologies such as IoT and AI. And they, they, they're gonna need to push the vendors. They're gonna need to specify equipment and device that are open, that have open interface and can uh, you know easily connect to an enterprise-wide IoT system and an enterprise-wide data lake like a big data system to to construct their the digital twins at the level of distribution grid and and even for microgrid but on the on the other side on the utility side using more and more intelligent systems requires more and more attention to data driven process uh, so so you know uh, at the early stage when we were starting to deploy um energy management system for, for running transmission grid, we had a lot of issues with the lack of um, data representation. So the equipment was not represented in database and it was very painful to create those new database. And the more intelligent the system, the more it relies on accurate uh, data. And therefore, there's a need to really deploy a process to clean and to maintain accurate data records. And, you know, that starts the whole debate between IT and OT organizations within the utility. Who, who's not going to be responsible for what is essentially an IT process, but use, used in the operation world? You know, is the CIO taking over uh, operation? Or do we have... Um, you know, an IT department dedicated to operation, but um, not under the the CIO um, authority. So that's right. a big debate right now. Right, right. It's uh, as you as you said earlier. It's 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 uh, it's an organizational uh, uh, politics issue as much as anything else. Which then then leads me to ask, and you've you've seen. Uh, you had the privilege of seeing a lot of utility operations in, in your various different roles. What are the characteristics of a utility organization with a with a good digital transformation strategy? Yeah. What 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 what, what makes one better than the other at at, at doing it uh, the right way and, and embracing it right. fully? Yeah, I, I call them smart utilities, right? They're they're usually have a strong vision 
over not over 20 years, but over the next five years, and, and, and they have an incremental um, roadmap. Uh, you know, utilities work a lot on annual budget. They have to go ask for money, sometimes rate case on an annual basis. So uh, a smart utility would have a five-year roadmap with annual uh, implementation and ranking really uh, what, the use case. You know, where is the best um, bang for the bucks? And let's start with those kind of uh, uh, implementation. Of course, this this requires a supportive uh, regulatory environment and uh, somewhat stable financial situation. But from an organization point of view, I, I, I really see it working when there's a, a cross-functional committee that, that's created. It's got its own approved budget and plan, and this is all sponsored by the CEO. And the the cross-functional committee is usually presided by a, a chief digital officer or chief technical officer who, who's kind of, he knows how to listen to both operators, engineers, uh, customers, let's not forget the customers, and then regulators, and, and he knows how to create bridges across this, uh, the silos of the organization. So with this kind of a empowered committee, you have out-of-box ideas that comes out from the bottom up. And these ideas are based on sound, you know, data and facts and have instantaneous buy-in because they come from the people who are generating those ideas. And, and this really typically fundamentally transforms the way utilities operate. Um, usually the committee would organize training programs. I was involved as a vendor being asked to come in and do demos without uh, you know any kind of procurement process it was smart for them to do a watch process say hey let's look at what is possible uh, and learn from vendors for free <laughs> before we initiate any kind of procurement process so we can really keep uh, abreast of um, the innovation out there and then from an execution point of view what i've seen is you know fast speed so fast project execution uh, with very well-defined success criteria. So you, you define your matrix and you say, well, if we achieve that um, metric, we can now rapidly uh, scale and deploy to other areas of the company. So usually they would pick, uh, for example, a substation and an area of the grid, try something, and if it works, they already know how to uh, mobilize and deploy to all substations. Um, recently, I was involved in creating um, uh, focus groups. So this this was more common back in the 90s, where utilities would get together and address a problem together. Uh, EPRI had that role. Uh, it was often for a, a piece of equipment. You know, when, for example, SF6 was banned, this gas, uh, then they had to come up with a new way of uh, a new new way of insulating uh, breakers and so forth. But I see every little bit, uh, they could do better, but getting into the digital technology uh, focus group. And, and that would be really useful because now you have a, you know, uh, an industry-wide specification that could come to vendors and really correspond to real need of utilities instead of utilities being asked to adopt things that were not redesigned really for them. 
Uh, yeah. So that's that's what the other thing I've seen. The last thing I've seen done well is a, a proactive uh, transfer of knowledge. So really asking the vendors, experts to come and train, kind of train the trainer, make sure that there are internal experts that can take over and really make the own decision on how to deploy that technology. So. Having to go back to the vendors every time is not a good idea, right? So you have to build your own expertise, and that's really important. Great, great. So maybe let's uh, let's jump to the future, if we could, and 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 just sort of get your perspective on, you know, where you think we'll be five years from now, ten years from now, and and again, the role of digital technology. Of course, it's like every industry. We know it's going to it's going to be big. It's going to be important, as you pointed out. You know, data and data driven decisions are will be increasingly important for the industry. Um, but it maybe if you could, uh, you know, maybe paint a picture of what the you know from your perspective what the utility industry of the future will will look like. You've you've touched on a number of these things, but maybe sort of pull them all together and uh, and, and yeah. tell us what you think it'll look like. Yes, you know, I think Bill Gates observed that something like innovation takes always longer to get started, but often surprises in the speed they get scaled and, and in, into the mainstream. And I see that. We saw that in Germany when the German government pushed for solar, and now suddenly you have areas of Germany that has 120% solar capacity compared to their need, and that creates a new set of problems. So I do believe in, in general in that aspect where, for example, for batteries, it, it takes a while to get utility to adopt batteries and rightfully, because as you, you said earlier, there's still a lot of uh, technology innovation to be worked on. But then once it's mature, you know, it will, it will scale very fast. And that's the characteristic of the utilities that once they like a particular innovation and it's proven, they move fast and they can really um, have a, a very large deployment. So I see in general the future, I mean, climate change will impact utilities more and more with with both the, the frequency and intensity of climate events, uh, like you've seen the fires in California, the storms, the hurricanes, but also with the fact that consumers and politicians are, are going to demand a complete decarbonization of the power system. So utilities are, are being hit on both sides. And I do believe that carbon taxes in whatever shape or form will enable utilities to invest in energy storage and solar power plants and further digitize the, the distribution grid. Uh, and, and it could be that, you know, your solar panel on the roof is useful, but I see that a lot more uh, use of land by utilities to build utility scale solar plants and battery uh, farms. Um, and I think in the future, um, the grid asset will be instrumented using 5G networks. Uh, I'm hoping, uh, I have several examples of utilities really getting proactive in using uh, networks either by buying their own network infrastructure or by partnering with a telecom company. And I definitely see that with 5G. So 5G would be 
finally, uh, allowing utilities to really build accurate uh, digital twin in the cloud. And with that, you will be able to predict failures, consumer behaviors, and really correlate all this in, in a way that, uh, as I said earlier, the power system runs uh, smoothly, even though you have all these uh, uncertainties um, connected to the grid. Great, great. So where does where do, like you mentioned, I think you talked about this concept of microgrids that are being run maybe independently of utilities or do utilities run them for, you know, for their customers, large industrial enterprise or whatever? How does that all play out? Because again, as you, you've got this distributed energy infrastructure, it's not clear to me who's going to own that and, and who's going to manage it. Yeah, I, I do believe that uh, we're going to see a utility uh, evolution where you have a consolidated regional operator concept for distribution and, and the utility, just like we saw in the transmission and generation world, you have a, a DSO that owns the digital operation, if you will, so the monitoring, the controlling of all aspects of generation and distribution while owning almost zero of the generating assets. So uh, it, it is very possible to have independent owner and also aggregators, because when you mention microgrids, it's not a single individual who owns a microgrid that's going to make a difference, but then you have this entity called aggregators that put them together and that becomes a, a fairly stable entity that can, you know, market and trade on the distribution network. So the, the utilities role will be a regional grid platform on which markets can operate. So here again, I'm talking retail markets where you have, um, you know, people providing resiliency service like backup power, you have transactive energy, among customers, so you can sell, you know, your excess power to your neighbors. All this would be done through, um, you know, cloud-based platform, and the utilities will basically manage uh, the grid infrastructure and maybe the IT infrastructure to do that and get paid on the on the fee per uh, per usage or per transaction. So again, in the short, I see, uh, in, in my view, a very similar evolution that we saw in the transmission world that created regional transmission operators uh, similar in the distribution world where distribution system operator would come in and become the main um, function of the uh, of today's utilities we see yeah, that's mm -hmm. sorry you had something else to add no no i mean i i don't know i mean i yeah, yeah. logical, but you know, it's yeah. Well, no, it's a very interesting future, and it, it seems very logical and clear as you explain it. In fact, I, this has been a very enlightening conversation for me, Thierry. And uh, just to to wrap up, if you have any closing thoughts, and we also like to ask our our podcast guests, you know, if, if they have any recommendations for for reading. You actually mentioned a movie earlier, which sounds interesting. Yes. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be around the subject, but just you know, what are you reading? What what do you what do you think is interesting these days? And and uh, we'll uh, wrap it up with that. One final thought is, you know, we've seen over the last years 
uh, a drop in interest from college grad and really attracting the workforce, especially the, the, the IT and the, the technology type workforce to utilities. And uh, what I want to say is uh, this is a very different world today. And there, you see a lot of utilities with green modernization initiatives uh, recruiting technology people, data scientists, you know, so it, to me, it's, it, it's starting to become once again, a very interesting uh, opportunity for engineers and, and scientists to join the utility industry. In terms of uh, reading material, I, I uh, recently read three books actually related to all this. Uh, one that was published in six, 2016, uh, but the paperback came out in 17. It's called The Grid, Fraying Wires Between Americans and Our Energy Futures. And it's written by uh, Gretchen Backe, B-A-K-K-E. Very interesting because she's a anthropologist. So she she goes back to the history and explain how the culture of America is very linked to the grid and how this evolution uh, impacts all aspects of our life. It's a fascinating book. Um, the, the other one, more to look at a worldwide view of this uh, transition is called Low Carbon Energy Transition by uh, Kathleen Arrojo. A-R-A-U-J-O. Uh, she's going through example, like the one that interested me, of course, uh, with chapter on France, since I am from France. France has a very unique uh, power uh, uh, ecosystem because it's heavily relying on nuclear. And the last book that uh, I want to acknowledge here because it's written by a good friend of mine, Manny Vaderi, is, uh, is Smart Grid Redefined. Uh, the transformation of the electric utility. This was just published uh, in 2018. Again, this is a very well, uh, a bit more technical uh, book, but very well written by an expert. And I recommend uh, those. Super. Thank yeah. Thanks for those. Those sound like great books. I think if we, if, if someone were to read them all, they'd get a pretty good picture of, of where yeah. we're at today. Well, listen, thank you very much. This has been a terrific conversation and uh, certainly appreciate your taking the time to uh, speak with us. Yeah, thank you very much, Liv. This is Leif Erickson, Insights Partner Memento. Thank you for listening today and please share with us what you found useful, as well as your own perspectives on digital industry.